I did forget to mention the reason that my wife is here tonight teaching. Um, Pastor Dan had some family obligations that um, that he wanted just to uh, make you aware of. He's just uh, with family tonight. There are some things that he needed to uh, make a priority. How many know that family is a priority? Men and women of God, your your first ministry is to your family, right? So that's where our our, our beloved pastor is tonight. And uh, instead of Pastor Dan tonight, we are going to get blessed by T- Miss Tony. <laughs> How are y'all doing tonight? Isn't the presence of God amazing? Um, Brother Bill, where's, where'd he go? And Brother Angelo, you just, wow. That was just amazing how sweet the presence of God was tonight. And Michael looked at the clock when it was, when it was all done, and he went, oh, I went too long. I'm so sorry. <laughs> And I love the word, and anybody that knows me knows I love the word. But if you never follow those words back to the mouth that spoke them, they're not going to impact your life the way that they can impact your life when he breathes on them. So there's nothing wrong with going some extra time in the presence of God. Amen. Well, I have a word for you tonight from the Lord. Are you ready for it? You ready? Because God is about to pour out of his spirit on all flesh. And it's something that we have been praying for. We've been praying for revival, and we've been seeing some things start to trickle down from heaven, haven't we? And uh, the Bay of the Holy Spirit revival, was anybody able to get in on that in May? And it's coming again in June. You want to mark your calendars the first Thursday and Friday in June. You don't want to miss the time of your visitation from the Holy Ghost. If you're too busy for Holy Spirit, then you're going to miss the time of your visitation. And we know the story of Mary and of Martha in the Bible. And, and Mary was at the feet of Jesus. And Martha, Jesus said, was distracted by many things. And Mary picked the better thing. And she did not miss the time of her visitation. And y'all are here tonight. And you didn't miss the time of your visitation. But I have a word for God from you regarding his visitation. Because he's getting ready to pour out miracles and signs and wonders in a way that this generation has never seen before. The power of God is about to be poured out in such a way. And the miracles are going to be so astounding. But guess who he's going to use to do his miracles? You. And you. And you. And you. And all of us. He's going to use his body. It's not just the people that stand up here that God's going to use. It's the people that stand up here that God uses to train you to carry his glory into this earth. And so I have a question for you. What do you have in your hand? Because that's the question that God asked everybody who he used in the Bible What do you have in your hand? And I want you to open your Bibles to Exodus 3 if you have them. And it's a, tonight is a night where we're going to, can I move this out a little bit? I'm going to bump into this plant. Oh, it's not heavy. See how strong I am? Oh. <laughs> it's a night where God wants us to expand our horizons, maybe change our perspective a little bit, make it a little broader, and think outside of the box a bit. And anybody who knows me knows that I do not think outside the box. I am a linear thinker. I like accounting. I like a one plus one to equal two. There's got to be a formula for it. I like to think within the box. My children, on the other hand, think outside of the box. 
<laughs> Alex has to write songs about books that he reads and take them into class and sing them for his class. I would never have done that. I could never have done that. My daughter had an assignment to come up with an invention, make it, take it to class and present it, and she did an amazing job. My kids can think outside the box. I'm not an outside-of-the-box kind of thinker, but we're going to think outside the box tonight. Are you ready to kind of expand your perspective a little bit past what you've been used to and see what God's about to do? So what do you have in your hand? In Exodus 3, what we see is Moses, and he's at the burning bush. And God gets his attention. There's this bush that's on fire, but it's not burning up. And Moses steps aside to see what's going on. And so as he steps aside to see what's going on, God says, Moses, I'm here to use you. Basically, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. And then he goes on. Well, let's just read starting in verse 18. It says, the elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. And after that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters, and so you will plunder the Egyptians. Chapter 4, Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that? in your hand. And it was a staff. Moses replied, and the Lord said, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran away from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took a hold of the snake and turned it back into a staff in his hand. What do you have in your hand? And if you go on in Exodus, hold on, let me get my examples, because there's a ton of them. In Exodus 7, verses 8 through 10, It says, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle, then say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh, and it will become a snake. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. Move on to Exodus 7, 14. It says, and the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He refuses to let the people go. And God said, go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes out to the river. Wait on the bank of the Nile to meet him and take in the hand the staff that was changed into a snake. Say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to say to you, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. But until now you have not listened. This is what the Lord says. By this you will know that I am the Lord. With the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water of the Nile, and it will be changed into blood. The fish in the Nile will die, and the river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink its water. And it goes on, and that's exactly what happened. Moses took the staff, he struck it, and everything turned to blood. Um, Exodus 8, verse 1. 
says, seven days passed after the Lord struck the Nile. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs on your whole country. The Nile will teem with frogs. They will come up into your palace and and your bedroom and onto your bed and into the houses of your officials and on your people. The frogs will come up on you and the people and all your officials. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the streams and the canals and the ponds and make frogs come up over the land. If you go on to 8.16, he says to take the staff and strike the dust, and that's when the gnats come. And on into chapter 9, he takes his staff and commands the hail to come. And everything that you see Moses doing by the power of God, it's with what he had in his hand. It was with the staff. And when he, they got to the Red Sea, And this huge obstacle was in their way. And God wanted to do a miracle. What did he do? He used what Moses had in his hand. Moses stood with the staff and the sea parted and they walked across on dry ground. Every single one of them with what was in his hand. And so I'm going to ask you tonight, what's in your hand? We're coming into a a season in the glory of God where miracles are going to be commonplace. They're going to be everywhere. It's going to be like you're going to be able to hand them out. Miracles are going to be so common. And with Moses, miracles were common. Every time he turned around, he was taking that staff and doing something with it. You go on past the Red Sea, and he took the staff, and he struck the rock with it, and water came out. Miracles are going to be commonplace, but there's something I want you to see real quick before we move on to the next example. If you turn to Numbers chapter 20, sorry, I talk so fast. Sometimes my mouth gets ahead of my brain. But in Numbers chapter 20, verse 6, they're at another crossroads here, and they need a miracle. It says, Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The people needed more water to drink. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff, take the staff, And you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he had commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, we must bring you water out of this rock. But did Moses speak to the rock like God said? God told him to take the staff. He told him to take what was in his hand. And he said, speak to that rock. But what did Moses do? He struck it again. He struck it twice. And God in his mercy and his love for his people allowed water to flow out of that rock. But what happened to Moses? God said, because you didn't trust me, you can't take these people into the promised land. Now, miracles are going to be commonplace, and God's going to use what's in your hand. But we have to remember that our faith is not in what's in my hand. Our faith always has to remain in what God said. Because that staff, with that staff, Moses did mighty, mighty miracles. But it wasn't the staff that did the miracles. The staff was just a point of contact for them. So they had something they could see, something so that they could hold on to. God knows we're human. We are spirit. We sure are. But we live in a body. 
and we live in a sight realm. And he's so merciful and faithful to give us things that we can hold on to and see. But we want to make sure that when we get into that time where miracles are just flowing like water, that we don't start thinking it's me. We don't start thinking it's this thing in my hand. Oh, if you just had this staff, you'd be lucky like me. No, it always has to stay on the power of God. So what is in your hand? I want to move on to another one. This one, I love. I love this. I got stuck on this today. Open up to 1 Kings chapter 17. Does anybody else love Elijah? I love Elijah. He was such a visual, demonstrative person. (laughs) And I really, really, really dislike him. And he came on the scene, actually, in chapter 17. This is the first time we ever hear of Elijah the Tishbite. And he was a prophet. And it says, now, Elijah the Tishbite... Uh, And Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So Elijah needed a miracle and God directed birds, ravens, to bring him his food. They brought him meat, and they brought him bread. And then the brook dried up. And so Elijah needs another miracle, and God's right on the scene. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And remember, God already told Elijah, I have directed this woman to feed you. And so Elijah's going in expecting that this widow was directed by God to feed him. So he asks her, Can you bring me some water? I'm going to start this gently. I'm not just going to come up to you and go, Give me all your food. No, let's make sure this is the right widow. (laughs) Could you bring me some water? She goes, absolutely. And as she's going off, he says, oh, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. And so the widow responds, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Well, hello. (laughs) Hello. I'm like, is Elijah thinking, okay, this cannot be the right widow. You know, it's not the widow I would have picked. I would have picked the wealthiest widow in town. But instead, God picks this most unlikely widow who has plans later that day to die. She had made the plan. She said her plan. What am I going to do today? Her to-do list. Let's go down and gather some sticks. Let's make a cake of bread, and then we'll die. (laughs) That sounds like a great day. And so Elijah comes to town to this widow that God commanded to feed him. And she has plans to just die. And so he goes on and he says, okay, we'll do what you had planned. But first, take what you have. Do you hear that? Take what you do have. Make a cake and bring it to me. If you do that, 
Your oil will not dry up. Your flour will not dissipate until this drought is over and things are flowing in the natural again. God could have continued to use ravens to feed Elijah through the whole drought. But God picks this most unlikely candidate who has nothing to feed the the prophet. Why? Because she needed a miracle. How many of you in here tonight need a miracle? How many of you can look in your checkbook and go, I need a miracle? What do you have in your hand? And I was studying this today, and I was getting so excited, and I started texting Michael because I just saw a million dollars is awesome. If somebody walked up to me and said, here, have a million dollars, I'd be like, sweet. I could do some things with that million dollars. But you know what? A million dollars in and of itself is a finite number. It has a beginning. It has an end. You can only do so many things with a million dollars. A million dollars without the blessing of God is a finite number. It's a grand number. I wouldn't turn it down now if somebody wanted to come give me a million dollars after service. But $5 with the blessing of God on it has infinite possibilities. Because that $5 does not have to drive up. Dry up if all you have is $5 and you hold it up to God and you bless it. Say, Father, this is what I have and I'm going to use it for your glory. This is what I have. This is all I have. Take it. He'll take that $5, and he'll keep replacing it, and he'll keep replacing it, and he'll keep replacing it, and your shoes aren't going to wear out, and your pants aren't going to wear out, and your appliances aren't going to wear out. With the blessing of God on what you have, it's an infinite, infinite possibilities. Like when Jesus fed the 5,000, who was at the... What was the name of the conference? Friday night. Did anyone go to the Friday night conference? Patricia King. I could have gone home after offering. Because when you hold up the little that you do have, who remembers what she said? Jesus was feeding the 5,000. And the disciples said, let's let them just go home and eat. He goes, you feed them. They're like, all we have is five loaves and two fish. We don't have enough. And he's not asking you what you don't have. God does not want to hear what you don't have. When he tells you to do something, he's not bound by this system. He doesn't care what you don't have. He used a staff, for heaven's sake, to dry up the Red Sea, a staff that doesn't make any sense to the natural mind, how God works. It's not in us to need to know how God works. All I need to know is that he works. And if I come in line with his system, his miracles are accessible to me. And not only do I get to be the recipient of the miracle, I get to be the giver of the miracle. Because that widow, she was the recipient of a miracle. She needed a miracle to feed her family. She got to receive that miracle for herself, but she got to bless the prophet too. You get to be the recipient and the giver. Isn't that cool? Who wants God to use them to do miracles? I am so hungry to just lay hands on somebody and watch a miracle happen. He wants to use us to do his miracles. But God's not in the business of just using us until we're just dried old dish rag and casting us aside to use somebody else. When God 
put something in your heart to do for somebody else, it's because he's trying to get something to you. He could have kept using those ravens, but he was trying to get something to that widow. And so he's asking us tonight, what do you have in your hand? What do you have? Michael and I have just come through a season that wasn't as comfortable financially, but God has been very, very faithful. And what was most frustrating to me was not being able to give like I wanted to. Like, Lord, we can't give like we want to. I'd like to be able to meet every need and just give like we did at once. And I know we'll be able to again. But it was the same thing. What do you have in your hand? You can give what you have. And then he multiplies what you give so that you have more to give. So we're sitting here bumping along through life just wanting to give. And an opportunity comes up. You have to yield. My girlfriend posts on Facebook. How many of you are on Facebook? Love Facebook. <laughs> it's a nice distraction. <laughs> it's a big waste of time sometimes. But it's a good place to network. So she posts on there. She has a friend who's doing a project for Africa. And he was asking for songwriters to donate rights to their song that they could use them for free and make money for this project in Africa. Michael's like, I have songs. I have what I have in my hand. Let me give it to you. And then God can then, he has something to work with. When you give him what you have in your hand, you have something to work with. He doesn't care what is in your hand. If he asks you, do you have a blanket? You say, well, I have a blanket. Well, give it to this person over here that doesn't have a blanket. And then he gives you 100 blankets. You're going to be nice and warm. He gives seed to the sower. He gives bread to the eater. And I just want to make you so think outside the box tonight to think, what do I have in my hand? I have something that I can give. What do I have in my hand? In Acts chapter 3, we all know the story. It was Peter and John. Peter and James, who, Peter and somebody, going to the gate called, you know, going to the temple of the praise, going by the gate called beautiful, and the beggar said, please give me some money. And they said, but what I have, what do I have in my hand? I've got the name of Jesus. I've got the name above all names. What did David say when he faced Goliath? Goliath said, you come at me with sticks and stones. You're not going to be able to to kill me. You're going down. And he said, I might come at you with sticks and stones, but I'm coming in the name of the Lord God Almighty. And today is your last day on earth, buddy. I'm cutting off your head and feeding you to the ravens. And guess what? Because what he had was more powerful than what the enemy had. And I'm telling you tonight, you have something in your hand. You have the name of Jesus. You have the authority of the name of Jesus. There's nothing that can stand against that. The word of God coming out of your mouth is just as powerful as the word of God when it came out of Jesus' mouth. Sicknesses are afraid of that word. But we go, oh, I don't have anything to give. I can't go visit poor Miss Rosemary because I really, what am I going to say? You're going to go in and say, in Jesus' name. You have something to give her. You've got the name of Jesus. You've got the power of the blood of Christ. You've got the name above all names. You got something. You got something to give. And so tonight we're going to wrap it up here. But I want you to think this week. You have a homework assignment. You ready? Write it down. I love homework. I liked school. I was one of those nerds that liked to go to school. 
You have, I didn't want to miss. I had got strep throat one time. I'm like, but I want to go to school, Mom. So um, you have a homework assignment. I want you to ask the Lord, what do I have in my hand? Because sometimes it's so easy for us to say, I don't have anything in my hand. But if you go to Holy Spirit, who knows you better than anybody else in the world, he will show you what in you he can use, what in you he wants to use. Mrs. Kish has something in her hand. You pray. You are a prayer. And she blesses her family with that prayer. I'm sure of it. You pray daily for your family, don't you? And she lets the word of God come out of her mouth. You have something to give. And I want you to ask Holy Spirit this week, all week long, what's in my hand? You know, we have some things that we're believing God for. Like, what do I have in my hand? What can I sow as a seed? What do I have in my hand? And he gave me an outside-of-the-box idea of how to have some seed. Like, that is so awesome. So I'm texting Michael, what do you think about this? He's like, that's a great idea. (laughs) So outside-of-the-box, so not like me, so Holy Spirit. (laughs) But we do, we have something to give. You have something to give. And he wants to get it from you. You just have to have confidence enough in him. You have to have confidence enough in him. And when he approached Moses at that burning bush, and Moses said, well, I stutter, I can't talk. Well, take Aaron with you. Oh, I can't do it, I can't do it. And he tried to come up with excuse after excuse after excuse. And if you read in there, finally it says, the anger of the Lord burned against him. I'm enough. And God says to you, I am your shield. I'm your exceeding great reward. There's nothing you need besides me. Nothing besides my word. Nothing besides my presence. Nothing besides my power. That's enough. We're his hands. We're his feet. We're his mouth in this earth. And he wants us to be in a place where we say, use me to do your miracles. And all he's going to say is, what do you have in your hand? And he's going to use what you have. And then guess what? When you use what you have, more is given to you. You'll have more to give. And then you use that, and there's more to give. And you use that, and there's more to give. And it's just this huge cycle. And then all of a sudden, you look, and you're like, God, look at all these things that you've been able to do. And I am so amazed and humbled that you were able to use me. It's such an awesome place to be. I, I was driving this week. Just the presence of God was so strong in my heart. And I said, it is not fair that anybody should be as loved as me. I was just so loved in the presence of God. And then you have that to give away. The world is hungry for miracles. They're hungry for love. They're hungry for the presence of God that we have. And he's just looking for us to say, You can use what's in my hand, God. So we're going to close in prayer tonight. And I just want you to just meditate on that tonight. We can meditate on that all week long. What do I have in my hand? And expect an answer. God wants to use you. He's just looking for someone to be able to use. Amen. Father, we just love you. We stand so amazed at you, that you're the creator of heaven and earth. You're the one who formed everything we see. You could do anything with anything. 
without us. And yet you choose to let us be a part of what you're doing. So, Father, I pray for every person in this place this week that they would come to a revelation of your love and your presence that they have never known before. I just pray that they would have encounters with Holy Spirit, encounters with your presence that bring them to another level in you, Father, and that they'll be able to see your face and hear your voice and know what they have in their hand. They'll know what you want them to do, what you want them to say. Oh, Father, I thank you for this week. It's going to be such an awesome week. This is such a pivotal time in the destiny of God. And I'm so thankful that we can be a part. And so let your anointing and your power and your glory rest on every person in this place, Father, as we go. In Jesus' name.